Welcome to another episode of the Web3 Experience. Our guest today is Mike Garland. That's G-A-R-L-A-N-D, at Michael R. Garland on Twitter. He is a product manager at Alchemy Platform, the leading blockchain developer platform, which enables people to create their own blockchain apps. Alchemy's most recent funding round valued the company at $10.2 billion. Alchemy recently announced the Alchemy Grants Initiative, which is giving $25 million in grants to Web3 developers and startups. Alchemy Grants applications are now open. Learn more and apply at alchemy.com. Also look up hashtag WAGBI, W-A-G-B-I on Twitter, which stands for We're All Gonna Build It. Before Alchemy, Mike was named to the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. He previously founded Prelude, P-R-E-L-U-D-E, a Y Combinator-backed startup that was later acquired. Before YC, Mike graduated from Stanford with a bachelor's in computer science and then worked as an engineer for Palantir Technologies. You can find more information about Mike on Twitter at Michael R. Garland and about Alchemy everywhere from LinkedIn to Twitter at Alchemy Platform as well as their website, alchemy.com. Please enjoy our conversation with Mike. Garland. Mike, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you guys for having me. Super, uh, super excited. Thanks, Mike, for joining us. So I was wondering if we could start uh, with giving a little bit of your background, how you got into the blockchain space, and then how you moved over to Alchemy. Yeah, it's a great question. I'd say a little bit atypical, honestly. So my background is actually all on the engineering side. I'm on the product side of the house now. Worked at places like Palantir before this. Uh, started my own company, went through YC, uh, which got acquired, and basically found myself working at what was a really successful company, but in an industry that I wasn't super passionate about. Um, it was kind of building like e-learning software for sales teams, some cool technical problems, a great team, still still love those folks, but there's kind of something missing to me in, in kind of the meatiness of the, the space and the problems I was solving day to day. And so I, I've known Nikhil, the founder of, of Alchemy uh, and CEO, one of the two founders alongside Joe, um, for a long time. Uh, he was actually my freshman RA back in college, like got me to take my first computer science class ages ago. And so he was always one of those people who I was watching and looking for an opportunity to work with. And I met him like randomly on a Saturday night and he ended up talking my ear off about what he was working on with Alchemy and uh, what was going on with Web3 and blockchain. And I basically took two weeks to just deep dive on everything that was going on, like every white paper, everything that was going on at the space, uh, in the space of the time now, four years ago, got extremely excited, like a very quick trip down the rabbit hole. And so jumped in uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, full-time at Alchemy. So that must have been 2018 timeframe, mid-2018? Yeah, that would have been uh, like mid-2018, yeah. Okay, right before the big bear market of like, what is it, two or three years roughly, right? That's right. It was a a baptism by fire entering the the crypto industry for sure. Uh, I was reading a couple of blog posts and various interviews about Alchemy. And I saw, I think it was something that Nikhil may have mentioned he was talking about some of your first customers, right? And it sounds mm-hmm. like the guy that built CryptoPunks um, on Ethereum mainnet was one of Alchemy's first customers. So it sounds like a very cool story. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could maybe just speed run us through a little of Alchemy's history, maybe some of those early customers. And if you can share anything about that story, that would be awesome as well. No, totally. I think the most memorable part about the story is, so they were literally our, our first customer. We were working on this kind of really interesting big data analysis platform, uh, mostly for like really large hedge funds that were trading crypto um, in in kind of a previous life of Alchemy, always with an eye on how we could uh, be the most effective developer platform. 
And we realized that a lot of the, the kind of core tooling we had built in service of uh, this analytics product was actually really broadly valuable for really anything that was being developed on Ethereum. Um, and so we ended up talking to like 50 or 60 development teams about what they were using, where the pain points were, if we could help. Turned out unanimously, they had a kind of a big need for what we had built. One of those folks was Matt from Larva Labs, the team that built CryptoPunks. He was probably the most enthusiastic about the fact that the tools that it existed at the time were just like really, really subpar for what he needed. Um, and so he ended up putting his hands up to be like literally the first user of, of the platform when we opened it up. The thing that stings the most is I think CryptoPunks were probably like 10 or $20 at the time. And I did not buy a single CryptoPunk uh, even when he was a customer. So regrets uh, on that side, but it was amazing to have him as a first customer. I mean, some other highlights like OpenSea, I think was our fourth customer. Zero X was super early top, top 10 customers for us. So I think we were really fortunate to find some amazing initial customers for our platform um, and, and grow from there. Cool to hear how you know, you got out, quote unquote, got out of the building, right? And went and actually talked to all of these, you said roughly 60 product teams, right? And listened to actually what would be valuable. And it sounds like, you know, you probably leveraged that in building your initial version of the product. Hugely. I would say it's actually kind of a, a cultural tenet to this day. Like we have direct chats with almost every team that uses us, uh, which is, is really difficult at this point because there's there's a lot of teams, but I think we're like very radically in the camp of, you know, the space is changing super quickly. It's also full of talent. So there's no better way to learn about what's going to be a useful tool than to keep your ear to the ground and be constantly talking to developers. So I think for anybody in our product team, probably half their week is um, like sitting with developers on Zoom calls or in person kind of understanding what makes them tick. I didn't know that you guys uh, were building an analytics platform uh, before you kind of helped out CryptoPunk. So uh, whenever you're building this analytics platform, what exactly were they interested that they could apply to the kind of CryptoPunks project? So it was really the the core infrastructure. So this this platform for reading and writing to the blockchain reliably, scalably, consistently, um, you know, kind of, we describe it as an analogy, almost like the, the operating system uh, for the blockchain, like being able to do those things that you you need to do with less, less complexity and less overhead. So actually the analytics piece, totally gone. Uh, it turns out that mm-hmm. was a kind of an artifact of the past. It's, it's really the engine that was powering that, that became the, the kind of more interesting uh, thing to developers and, and now our developer platform. Yeah, so uh, I was wondering if you could kind of walk us through the suite of products that uh, Alchemy uh, has going on right now and uh, any kind of future looking things that you guys are, are looking to build. Yeah, of course. A lot of times when I talk through our product suite, do you guys know like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs where you have like food and water at the bottom, shelter, and then the, the top is self-actualization? Mm-hmm. A lot of the times I describe our product like that, where like the self-actualization at the top is a billion users using blockchain and web three for, for critical applications like things that really matter. And so the, the base, that first thing that we solved, kind of the, uh, yeah, the, the base of the pyramid for our product suite is what we call Supernode. So that's the, the kind of solution to how do I get data from the blockchain and how do I write data to the blockchain and do it, whether I'm a developer writing my first line of code, web two developer, totally new to, to web three, or I am you know, the largest NFT marketplace in existence and I need to do it insanely reliably because my customers are depending on me for uh, their livelihoods in a lot of cases. 
Um, so anyway, that's the, the base of the pyramid. Um, some other uh, kind of interesting parts of our product. On top of that, we basically built developer tools. So one thing we found out really early is you're a developer and you're building applications on blockchain. You're basically kind of walking around in the dark in a lot of cases. It's hard to know when things fail, how they're failing, how to fix them. There, there was really a lot of very basic frustrations that developers had. Um, and so we attacked it with what we call build and monitor, this, this kind of uh, duo of tools that lets you debug, investigate failing transactions, look at smart contract failures, you know, look at patterns across you know, millions of these that are happening in a day if you're a large-scale product. And so that, that was kind of the next step up the pyramid. Go from, I can read and write to, to the blockchain now to, I can actually build an application, launch it in production, and I, I'm not going to drown under the weight of, of really tough debugging. Probably the most exciting recent direction is we've started to build what we call enhanced APIs. It's a terrible name. We got we to gotta rename it. <sighs> but it's basically APIs that make certain use cases or types of development way easier. Um, so I think the main example I go to is our NFT API. Um, it basically lets you fetch all NFTs owned by a particular user or from a collection with all of the metadata, like super easily accessible. It may sound simple, but actually without something like our API, it takes a couple of engineers and a bunch of infrastructure, custom infrastructure to run. But with one of these kind of abstract APIs that solves it for you, you read some documentation and you're going in two minutes building an NFT marketplace or something super cool. So like really lowers the barrier to entry and makes really sophisticated features uh, more possible for those folks who are already uh, in with both their feet. That's awesome. So somebody like uh, a analytics platform for um, NFTs could use that, pulling all of the metadata, kind of analyzing what traits are the rarest uh, and things like that, feeding it back to the users, kind of slicing nice that data, feeding it back to the users for, for those totally. kind of insights. Yeah, That's I think awesome. like that is looking at traits, understanding rarity, floor prices even, we aggregate from a number of marketplaces. So if you're interested in the economic side, Super useful. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the kind of analytics side, I think, is has found a really nice home with that NFT product. That's awesome. Um, so question, all of Alchemy's kind of tooling for developers, does that also work and apply to the layer twos? Uh, so say Arbitrum, Optimism, um, ZK Sync? Yeah, great question. So right now we have support uh, live for... Arbitrum and Optimism out of the, the kind of pure layer twos. And uh, if you're including sidechains, Polygon, we uh, we announced uh, coming support for StarkNet, one of the, the kind of ZK rollup layer twos. And I think like our, our driving philosophy when it comes to that chain support and particularly L2 support is it's extremely key for developers being successful. Like it, you guys are probably no stranger to this, but unlocks use cases that are just impossible on L1 ETH because of the cost and speed. And so I think any, any L2 that has significant developer adoption is going to be a good candidate for us supporting, even if we don't have it today. That is awesome. Have you gotten a lot of adoption on the layer twos? I think I've been, have been really impressed with how quickly developers have moved to the, the two main L2s that we support live right now, Optimism and Arbitrum. I think like a clear validation that there is this need for a kind of faster, cheaper operating environment alongside the, like, the very secure, but very slow and expensive L1 ETH. Thinking more about, you know, developer growth, J-Rocky asked about layer twos. Where are you seeing the most developer growth right now? Is it on Ethereum mainnet? Is that still kind of the highest sort of rate of change of increase of developer users? Or, I mean, are you seeing a lot on like Tezos or Solana or some of these other chains? I don't know if you have any insight into kind of where many developers are joining right now. 
Yeah, it's a really good question. So we don't actually support Tezos right now. So Asterix, I don't have great insight into <laughs> Tezos specifically. Um, Solana, we actually recently opened up public support for. So we're seeing a, a tremendous rate of growth there because we kind of just opened the doors and uh, there were a bunch of people waiting to, to come in and use the product. That right now has the highest rate of change for sure, but I think skewed by the fact that it's a, a newer product for us, although we're, we're super bullish on, on Solana long-term. Honestly, between the other chains that we support, mostly mostly EVM compatible, all are really healthy and growing. Like I think there maybe are slight differences between all of them in terms of the rate of change, but nothing that I would say is is super significant. I think the the top level is all seem to be doing quite well and have their homes with either different use cases or communities of developers, depending on on their kind of various trade-offs. Okay, got it. So at a SaaS company where I previously worked, we had a couple of core products that generated a majority of company revenue and had the largest number of customers and users. At Alchemy, what would you say are your core products and in which product areas are you really innovating for the future today? Yeah, definitely. So I think most used by far is, is Supernode. It's actually 100% of our users use Supernode. I would say it's because it's the base of that pyramid. It's, it's just so fundamentally valuable to anybody who's building on on blockchain that like, even if you're you know a, a huge fanboy of our uh, builder monitor tools or the NFT API, you're going to get a ton of value out of Supernode. So literally 100% of our customers use that. In terms of things that are, are new and exciting, so I, I focus most of my attention on our kind of NFT suite of tooling, the APIs and developer tools for, for folks in the NFT ecosystem. So that's that's probably where my biases lean, um, but I'm really excited about things that we have going on there. So we're working on support for deeper support for marketplace data. So we have floor prices right now, but are, are working on kind of full historical sales prices. Uh, we're building out things like webhook support. So you can build kind of responsive applications with NFTs super easily. Um, there's just like, there is a, a ton in the way of really valuable uh, API tooling for NFT developers that doesn't really exist today that would be like extremely high leverage for most people building with NFTs. So I think that's what I'm most uh, most excited about. You said um, responsive design with NFTs. What would that be? Yeah, so really basic use cases. If an NFT is transferred, for instance, in a marketplace or a wallet, you might want to live update the page that a user is on to show that that NFT has changed owner, maybe is no longer part of their wallet. Without this kind of feature that we've built out, it's really difficult to do that. You need to like constantly be uh, making requests to the blockchain to, to see if there are any updates. It's kind of a really computationally expensive thing to do. Um, but with the kind of feature we built, you just get uh, kind of a nicely packaged event that says, hey, this thing has changed and you can make the UI update super, super simply. Um, so it makes it like a you know 10 minute feature to implement instead of something uh, prohibitively complicated. Yeah, that ease, making things easier is critical, right? <laughs> totally. I th honestly, I think it's the unifying theme of, of what we do. Like if I were to describe our, our value prop as like stupidly simple as, as I possibly can, it's really like, how do we help how do we help developers focus as much attention as possible on the stuff that is differentiated about their products? Like how do we help them focus on that and, and do it much more quickly than they otherwise could? So I think, you know, Webhook's just a, another example of how we try to do that on behalf of the people that build on top of us. Your focus is the NFT suite of tooling. 
I love NFTs. I think they're fun. You know, I don't necessarily treat them as an investment, right? Something about them just captivates your attention. And I can't really put my finger on what it is, but what do you love about NFTs or what really excites you about them? I am a, a, a closet collector myself. I would say the flashier, more more popular use cases for NFTs, yeah, I, I definitely am excited about. I think honestly, the, the thing that gets me way more excited than that is at their core, NFTs are just provable digital ownership of something. And so I think there's this ability for NFTs to be a building block of any use case that uh, Web3 is a good fit for. So, you know, like decentralized social media, a lot of financial applications, ownership of real world goods, insurance, like whatever the, the ambitions are, that kind of primitive that NFTs solve is like they're super important to basically every single use case. I think that's kind of the trend we see with, with projects over time is, you know, in my mind, PFPs in this kind of like mostly art-based NFT use case was kind of V1. Like we have yeah. this new thing, let's see what we, we can do with it and what sticks and, and what people like. I think V2 is NFTs being used for this like way more diverse set of things um, and being a part of like innumerable use cases um, as Web3 kind of expands what it's it's doing. I like your guys' positioning as well, where you're kind of building the developer tools to allow uh, the developers to actually kind of express this creativity and, mm. you know, build whatever comes to mind, uh, helping out innovation, right? And so one of the sure. things that I've, I've been thinking of is whenever you said real world assets tied to NFTs, right? I'm thinking, okay, uh, real estate would probably be a good example. And one of, uh, and some companies, right, are, are trying to do this right now where, you know, the NFT, the one of one, uh, is tied to an actual piece of land. And so it's like, at some point, maybe something like uh, Zillow, right, will be Web3 native or an application like Zillow will be Web3 native. And you guys would be able to provide that kind of tooling um, to you know, grab the metadata of, you know, this piece of property, this NFT, right? Uh, and kind of um, give out the analytics because analytics nowadays are kind of, you plug into disparate data sources, uh, you pull all of this data together and it's most likely in a database. Whereas, you know, the future of, of hopefully everything, right? In my opinion, I'm probably biased, uh, you know, all that analytics, uh, all those analytics are going to come from the blockchain. Yep, totally agree. It's funny you mentioned that actually, because one of my favorite projects overall in the blockchain space is a, a company called Fabrica. Um, and basically what they're doing is they've minted properties as NFTs and their, their use case is basically, there is a category that I didn't know exist before this of, of people in the real estate market that do like high frequency trading of property effectively. And by using NFTs, they can actually like lower the insurance costs they need, settle trades immediately. It like it is just a better version of what they were doing in Web2. And I think my favorite part about it is if you go on their website, there is nothing about NFTs, Ethereum, anything blockchain or Web3. It is just like a very useful product that solved the need better than anything else could that happens to be using blockchain and NFTs, which I'm, I'm hoping is the theme of you know the second half of 2022 and into 2023 is you know, the, the products that use NFTs or Web3, whatever the, the kind of uh, asset class is, can stand on the merits of just, it is a better product. It is uh, demonstrably uh, more interesting than something that's just using Web2. I've, uh, I've never heard of high frequency real estate trading. Uh, I you explain it? Okay. I'm not an <laughs> expert, but I, mean, but I think it's basically like, you know, people who buy and sell properties multiple times a day. Um, 
why I'm not sure. I assume there's a, there's profit in it somehow, but yeah, it's a, a weird world that I'm not too familiar with. That's crazy. I had no idea that that was even possible. You know, whenever you try to go buy a house, uh, you know, it takes 90 days to even close it. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, obviously totally. uh, it can be done quicker. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, especially when you're using uh, NFTs and blockchain. Everything's better with NFTs and blockchain. That's right. I think that's a really kind of profound point you mentioned a second ago, how these blockchain and NFT features will sort of be embedded in products and you won't have to know as a user that you're interacting with a blockchain. You're not going to have to think about the word NFT or the word decentralization or the word blockchain. Obviously for a developer tools platform, right? That's a little bit different, right? Because you're working with developers, but the, the end user, um, when we get to the point where they're just using a better product because it has these core functionalities enabled by the blockchain embedded in natively. I think that's going to be a really transformational place to get to. And um, it's exciting to think about getting to that point. I don't know how many years away we are where you're using, people are using these things and they're just naturally interacting with it. It's exciting. I think there's definitely some user experience uh, improvements on like the wallets and, and everything that sure. it could definitely happen, right? Anyway. Yeah, I think it's that's almost a necessary first step, right? Like at the point where a user has to educate themselves on, you know, five or six different, like relatively dense topics to get started with your product in the first place, you've already kind of like stripped away that that veil. So I think there's, I mean, there's so many developer experience problems, customer uh, user experience problems to solve, have really high conviction that they are solvable. And so we're in the final stretch before we start to see more and more of those kinds of applications pop up. Are there any like high ROI UX problems we could, could be easily solvable by a developer that you can think of or anything that comes to mind? High ROI UX. So one, one that we have solved that's kind of... I'll, I'll do my best to explain. It's a little bit tricky, but there is a consequence of how you build your developer infrastructure, kind of the Supernode product that we've built, that actually causes really tricky UX problems that people actually just associate with the blockchain and Web3 kind of being a, a, a hard to understand place. Um, and the kind of thing it causes is basically, we call them accuracy issues. Um, but it's basically when you know you see a view of the world in your wallet, for instance, that is impossible. Like you you send a transaction to buy an NFT, the wallet refreshes and it shows the new lower balance. Like you spent one ETH and so your balance is one ETH lower, but you don't own the NFT yet. Literally, that is impossible using a blockchain. That can never happen. Transactions either happen or they don't. But because of how people build their infrastructure, sometimes you can end up in a state where the user experience is just totally busted. Like the worst case there is a user thinks they were robbed, like their NFT disappeared and their money is gone. They've heard that, that Web3 and crypto is scammy. And so they, you know, shut down their wallet and leave forever. But it's actually just, it's a, a property of the infrastructure. It's it's how people design, you know, the the nodes they're running and the the kind of supplementary infrastructure they put around it. So not the not the sexiest problem in the world, but super consequential to user experience and I think to, to blockchain reputation overall, if you expand it out. For sure. I was using MetaMask a few months ago and I had, I think it was WETH, like W-ETH. If you didn't add the token to your wallet, 
even though it was in your wallet on the blockchain, you wouldn't, the user wouldn't see that they had that token in their wallet. So you had to actually go in and add every single token. So that's yeah. like one example of something that could be a little confusing, scary for users in some cases, right? If you think, oh no, where'd my weed go or where'd this specific totally. token go? But <laughs> yeah. 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 I think especially, I mean, so many of the, the applications for blockchain so far are financially based. Um, and if you, if you end up even for a couple of seconds thinking that your money is gone, most people are, are mm. going to consider that like a non-starter, like I'm, I'm out of here. So yeah, I think the, the more that we collectively as an ecosystem can solve those, those kinds of problems, the better. So is that something that Alchemy or that you guys can improve your current tooling for or build more tooling for, or is it simply just the application of your tooling, like you were saying, how they kind of put together their infrastructure using that tooling? I think there's definitely ways that we can help solve these problems as a, a developer platform. I think like my mental model is anything that's going to be useful for a, a large number of applications is a good opportunity for a platform to come in and like collectively save work for the overall ecosystem. Like the less that every team has to duplicate solving the same problem, the more that they get to focus on that, that differentiated work like we talked about. For something like adding tokens to MetaMask, maybe a little bit less clear in the short term how we solve that kind of problem, probably way shorter for, for MetaMask to solve that problem directly. Back to that pyramid with a billion users being the top of, of the pyramid. UX is one of the, the kind of next most important steps that's blocking us from getting there. So I think anything that we can do from our vantage point as a developer platform to help solve those problems is, is definitely something that we're, we're interested in. A billion users. I love that vision. That's exciting. It would have seemed extremely ambitious for the internet back in the day too, but um, now it seems like a, a, a far underestimate of what the internet is used for. So I think that's, that's the ambition, right? Is uh, the, the kind of core value that blockchain provides can be useful for so many use cases that touch everybody on the planet. Um, and so a billion, a billion is the first step, I guess. Speaking of a billion users, I know that a popular kind of narrative right now in the space, right, is that gaming will bring in, you know, that billion users. And so I know that um, you are kind of over the, the NFT space at, uh, at Alchemy. So I was wondering if you, uh, if you guys had interactions with gaming projects or if there are gaming projects right now uh, that you know, are, are reaching out and that you're excited about. Uh, you see come, some kind of you know, new stuff being built, innovative stuff. Totally. I would say gaming is super interesting. Like in my mind, ga gaming was blocked a lot on a like good abstractions for building with stuff like to ask a gaming developer who needs to build, you know, like a complicated 3D world and a great game experience to dive down into like RAM and hard disk is is impossible, right? Like they're never going to be able to build those things building directly on that that raw hardware. And so that's why things like, you know, Unity and um Unreal Engine, these game engines exist to make it way easier to kind of start higher up the stack and build a, a powerful game. I think same way, like in the Web3 space, if you're trying to build directly on smart contracts or using the raw calls to Ethereum or a layer two, for instance, it might be hard. Like it's, it's going to slow you down in a way that maybe makes it more effortful to reach the, the kind of game that you're trying to build. But I think now like the, the tooling exists to make it possible, easy in some cases, to build really cool games using, uh, using Web3 and blockchain. Plus layer twos and Polygon and Solana, kind of the, the cheaper, faster options out there have really enabled the scale that, that gaming depends on. 
So yeah, I think it can't go into exact names, but there's a, a couple of teams actually from like the traditional gaming industry who are are titans of, of that particular industry that are actively working on things in, in the blockchain space. Um, so really excited to see what comes out there. I'd say those, those folks are um, starting to build with real seriousness that we haven't seen before, which is, uh, is super cool. Thinking kind of a little bit about the future of the blockchain space, every now and then I go on the EIP Ethereum Improvement Proposals website and I'll look through things that are having a lot of comments or initiatives. And it's fun. You can go back and see even like the ERC 721 NFT token standard when it was initially published and then how it changed. The Soulbound uh, tokens, our initiative is on there, non-transferable. So it's cool to look at that sometimes and kind of think, wow, what could be done in the future with some of these primitives that people are discussing now that are early on in their kind of like life cycle? Is there anything that you've seen in terms of what's possible in blockchain or maybe different standards? It doesn't have to be on Ethereum Mm. across any chain that could maybe sort of revolutionize or... Uh, really transform what's possible with blockchain and with the internet in general. The fact that something like EIPs or ERC XXX exists is honestly just like such a step forward from how a lot of technologies work. Like the fact that there are these open standards where you know how an ERC 721 works because it has this like very well-defined rule set for how it behaves as an asset. And so I maybe as Mike or or Alchemy in this case can mint an NFT and then any number of products can integrate with that thing with very little effort. So it leads to this like composability that is so powerful. And I think like really leads to these uh, kind of exponential curves because everybody is building on everything else anybody is doing. So just like the rate at which the industry can change is so much faster because of exactly what you pointed out. In terms of things that I'm excited for, the thing that comes to mind, just I was talking about the team about this this week, that Solana is working on this standard for compressed NFTs, which is really interesting. So basically, I think NFTs are, you know, some number of cents or tens of cents on Solana right now to mint. Their goal is to make it fractions of cents. Um, so they're thinking of creative ways to drive down the overall cost. And the way they're thinking about doing it is, is doing these like really cool cryptographic techniques to condense uh, how NFTs are stored for particular use cases on the blockchain using this thing called Merkle trees, uh, which which comes up in, in the blockchain world every once in a while. It seems extremely promising. It's kind of at the door of, of being released. I think they, they mentioned that they're thinking about the number of NFTs on the order of billions and the cost being on the order of tens to hundreds of dollars. So I think the cost there and the savings there would enable and crazy, crazy applications that we haven't even uh, been able to think about yet. Yeah, things we probably can't even think of, right? I mean, I would have never guessed that people would own JPEGs and trade JPEGs like five years ago. So, no, <laughs> you know, and I, I feel like there's going to be use cases that come up that are just new and we we haven't even thought of that just happened. Fun to think about and, and look to the future. 100%. I think, yeah, I think the things that this ecosystem is capable of and, and the people who will be in this ecosystem a year from now, 10 years from now that aren't yet. Um, I mean, it's impossible to predict. There's going to be so much cool stuff. So Mike, what is your favorite uh, NFT or set of NFTs? Oh man, that's a tough question. Top 10, PSA. top 100. Yeah. <laughs> PSA, I'm, I'm an existing owner of these. So <laughs> disclaimer, um, I think one of the cooler ones is there's a project called Chain Runners. 
where uh, they went through a lot of hoops to build the actual rendering of the NFTs, like the visual image of the NFTs on chain. So there's there's very few NFT collections actually where the the actual image is something that is immutable and on the blockchain, particularly on Ethereum. And so I think it's one of these things where one, one of the coolest things to me about NFTs is that, especially with the current use cases, art and technology are almost inseparable. Like every NFT team needs somebody who's a competent technologist, a, a programmer, somebody familiar with Solidity, and somebody who's really creative and can build images, but also lore and, and kind of backstory that's really compelling. And I think this to me was kind of like almost the peak where the, the art literally is expressed through the technology in Solidity in these ways that are, are just like mind-blowingly cool. So I would say Chain Runners is, is probably my most, uh, for, the, for the nerdiest of reasons is my, uh, my favorite. So is it similar to uh, generative arts? It's a little bit some sort of art. Yeah, except the, so basically the way it works is like there is a, a function in the smart contract that actually like live when you call it renders the image of the NFT. So it's almost like my, my sense of generative art is like the generation happens and then it lives as, as an image. This is more like it lives as code and that code generates an image every time you try to, uh, try to pull it up. I love just hearing about the impact that Alchemy has and is having. It's awesome that to see you guys have grown and it looks like from your website, you guys are hiring, which is great. And I wonder if you could talk just a little bit about what it's like to work at Alchemy, what the company's like, company culture and, uh, you know, the company in general. I mean, it's awesome is the the short pitch. We've hired the most insanely talented crew of people I've ever worked with. We are still a relatively small company relative to the things we've been able to accomplish. Even now we're I think close to 80 people, something like that. So relatively, uh, relatively lean in terms of headcount, but you know, doing big things within the ecosystem. Um, the way we, we've been able to accomplish that is by hiring like really, really talented people. I think the thing that's that's almost as striking is we've we've hired really good people also. Like I think we sh- we just have a a team that you know is you know really high on values. I think the the kind of autonomy and transparency that we have as a company internally and externally is is really striking to me. I think it makes for like a, a really motivating place to work. You feel ownership over what you're doing. You're having a super high impact because it gets multiplied out to tens of thousands, if not hundreds of, of developers. Super motivating. Yeah, we're working on super cool problems. Couldn't be better. And, and like you mentioned, we are hiring super aggressively. Um, there are so many cool things that we want to be doing that we need extra great people to do. So um, yeah, quick plug there. Like definitely come apply. We, uh, we need more people. Another thing that I read, it might have been one of your blog posts on the website or maybe something that Nikhil had said in an interview, referred to Alchemy as the Amazon Web Services of crypto. Do you think that's a fair comparison? What are your thoughts on on that comparison there? I think it is fair. And the primary reason there being, like if you look at what AWS is doing for developers, it's kind of that same value prop that we talked about, like in a world without AWS or GCP or Azure, the other cloud hosting services, anybody who wants to build a website or any internet application has to have a server rack in their office and they need to hire a team to manage those servers. It's stuff that like, it's the same regardless of whether you're building Facebook or a mom and pop shop that would now be built on, you know, Webflow or, or something even simpler. Without AWS, it's super limiting. The use, use cases that can thrive are narrowed. And even those need to redirect way too many resources to the stuff that is just not fundamental to their business. AWS comes in, they make that super stupidly simple. 
And I think it actually like has a really demonstrable effect on how the internet is able to grow, like the, the breadth of things that can be done on the internet. And I think that's really where the analogy comes from is without Alchemy, if you look at the blockchain space, everybody needs to run their own nodes. They need to hire a team to do so. It's a 24 hour job that, you know, for even a small production company takes several people's worth of time, full time to do, which can, you know, very easily be re redirected if you're using Alchemy into, you know, building your arts or your core code, your analytics for, for an NFT analytics platform, something that is is kind of a, a key feature for your customers instead of this undifferentiated work. I think that's where the analogy comes from. And, um, you know, hopefully we see the same thing that, and, and have already, honestly, that with the tooling like this, the rate at which the ecosystem can grow um, is kind of bent in a, a positive upwards direction. Yeah. So it's, it's a service so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel and build essentially the same base level programs if you're building a new product, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, this yeah. kind of platform layer that helps you, basically helps you on your journey start a couple of steps higher than you would you would otherwise. There is a lot of talk about decentralization, which is sort of a complicated topic to understand. I think the first time I heard about it, I didn't really know what it meant. It was sort of this abstract, obscure idea. You know, Alchemy is obviously a centralized company, right? But you're building mm -hmm. services to power Web3 or the decentralized internet. Can you share any just thoughts on decentralization? And is it important to the end user in all cases? Or do you think there's cases where maybe it's not as important for certain applications, but then there's other critical apps where, yeah, like decentralization is extremely important? Yeah, it's a great question. I think even if you just look at like the the L1 and L2 ecosystem, I think you see that that different use cases do pretty demonstrably care about trade-offs in in decentralization. Um, like some folks are willing to use a blockchain maybe for more like gaming use cases or things that are have less financial stakes to them that sacrifice some amount of security and decentralization for you know properties that are really important for those use cases. Yeah. Um, whereas others turn to L1 ETH because it has, you know, an extremely high factor of decentralization and, and because of that is very secure. Um, so I think for sure there is a difference in, in use cases and, and how they want to trade off there. My personal take, honestly, I go back and forth, honestly. I, I, I love working with the Ethereum ecosystem. I think, you know, it's the, the, the most vibrant, most populated ecosystem today. Mm -hmm. But I do think for this reason, like there's a very strong chance that the, the world becomes multi-chain, like the, the kind of interoperability between chains becomes really important because they can make these trade-offs in a way that lets developers get, uh, you know, the best of what Solana can offer and the best of what Ethereum can offer in a way that's really useful for building a product. So that's that's one angle on it. I think the obvious other angle is, is what you mentioned about Alchemy and how that relates to centralization. So you're right, our company does offer this kind of centralized service to access the blockchain. But what we found is, you know, by using Ethereum through Alchemy in the first place, you actually get, you know, 99% of the benefits of decentralization because your data is decentralized. If Alchemy and uh, our offices get hit by a meteor and we cease to exist tomorrow, all of your data exists on Ethereum. Um, and you might have to go back to this world where you need to run servers in-house yourself, but your data is still there. There's no loss of, of that kind of really valuable asset that you've accumulated. So the things that like that really matter fundamentally to be decentralized and to have those security properties, they flow through Alchemy in this untamperable way and they end up in, in a decentralized database effectively. 
you know, we're constantly thinking about the trade-offs here. You can't be a company in, in the Web3 space and not think, you know, responsibly about how you, uh, how you approach decentralization. But I think what we found in the short term is you get almost all the benefits, all of the practical benefits really of decentralization, even using Alchemy as a pipe because that, that database behind it is decentralized. So staying with the decentralization topic, um, what is the competition like for Alchemy? Are there a bunch of other kind of smaller companies uh, competing? And you know, how much market share do you guys have? I mean, it's hard to say exactly in terms of market share. Like the best we can do, just given how diverse the ecosystem is, is, is look at like particular use cases. So for DeFi, for instance, uh, I think 60 plus percent of the total value locked is through projects that are, are powered by Alchemy. Um, the majority, if not all major NFT platforms and marketplaces are, are kind of super valued customers of, of Alchemy. So I think in the use cases that people are familiar with, I think market share is, is quite high. That being said, you know, there are competitors, there are other folks doing really cool things in the space. I think obviously welcome that, that competition. I think it's a, a healthy thing. And in general, like one of my favorite parts about the Web3 space is it's super collaborative. Like roll up to a conference and find somebody with the t-shirt of, of somebody who's your, your competitor, quote unquote, and you're going to have an, an awesome conversation and, and find a lot to, to talk about in ways that maybe in other industries would be a, a little bit icier and, and harder to deal with. So um, yeah, some competitors out there, but I think our product is, is awesome. Um, we have really close relationships with our, our customers, really go above and beyond in a lot of cases to make sure they're, they're having a good time. So I, I think because of that, we've, uh, we've done pretty well. I'm personally big fans of NFTs specifically on optimism because of the kind of public mm. goods funding, right? And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I consider you guys 100% a public good. I'm sure that um, you guys don't need any public goods funding, right? But um, the thing that I really like about is kind of the public goods funding facilitating uh, competition where there would kind of be no competition because the barrier to entries are so high. And do you kind of see uh, alchemy in your kind of space specifically as one of those being a really high barrier to entry for those other companies? Our current product today is the accumulation of now four plus years of like constant, nearly 24-7 like iteration and improvement. And I think with, with really deep knowledge of what people are doing with this infrastructure. So in that way, I think it is hard. It's it's it would be impossible for us, even with like the most brilliant minds to sit in a room and like draw out the the kind of stack that is alchemy at this point, because there's so much learning that has to happen on the way. So from that perspective, I would say barrier to entry is, is high. The asterisks I would put on it though, is like, you know, you're not going to get the same properties that you get out of an alchemy. You'll be making trade-offs, but anyone can run a node. Like if you really don't want to use alchemy and you still want to interact with, with optimism, for instance, you can go to AWS, you can spin up an optimism node, and you can interact with the chain. So, you know, we're still forced to compete on our merits there, right? At the point where we're no longer as good or not providing enough value on top of that, then, you know, folks folks will leave us. So we really have to make sure that our product is uh, is always as awesome as it can be. And for what it's worth, in, in terms of like that dynamic and also the the kind of public good piece that you mentioned, I think we actually share the same, same philosophy, um, which is why, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but we have like, an extremely expansive free tier. Like there actually, there are, this is, this is probably something we should fix, but there are centralized exchanges, like ones that you would know that are actually on our free tier right now, because uh, the number of requests and the amount of compute that we give away for free uh, per customer is, is, is so generous. Um, and I think it's because we, we see the compounding impacts of doing that. Like if more people can get started 
without having to worry about, about the hurdles of bad infrastructure or cost, the ecosystem grows more quickly. And, you know, for our part, you know, more open seas reach the level of success that they have. And so, you know, more kind of large customers with the ability to pay um, are there to be our customers. So, you know, it's, it's part business, but part altruism, honestly, um, helping kind of incubate and grow the space. I love that. That's true crypto ethos, kind of lowering the barrier to entry for everybody, right. providing a kind of a large free tier um, so that you can kind of facilitate that competition within the space. Totally. Yeah, it's so cool to hear that you, you all take that approach, especially if you want to call it a bear market right now. But right now, where maybe there's slightly less users day to day, it's probably a great time to offer people building things, those free tools. And then if traction starts again in a couple months or a couple of years, they're already using Alchemy. They love your product and it, you know they'll scale up and grow their business with you guys as partners. Something super related, which I think is, is still open, Cameron, correct me if I'm wrong. We launched something we call the Wagby program. We're, we're all going to build it. Um, which okay, is a, a pool of, of $25 million in, in, grants, uh, in grants, basically uh, free Alchemy service above and beyond our free tier um, for folks who, you know, in some cases, the fundraising environment is as friendly as it was. Obviously, hiring for folks is, has been tougher. And so in, in an effort to kind of contribute even to, to mid and, and some larger tier customers that, that can really take advantage of something like that, trying to go above and beyond to, to help them succeed. I think you coined a new term or Alchemy coined a new term, Wagby. That's cool. Wagby. It was the brainchild of, uh, of our CEO, actually. So he gets all the credit for that one. All right. Hats off to Nikhil for that one. I'm going to have to for remember sure. that. So, wow, you said $25 million in grants for people building apps with Alchemy right now. That's right. Yeah. So in Alchemy credits, so, you know, uh, if you're a builder and you're using Alchemy in a, a non-free tier, can basically use, I can't remember what the cap is per customer, but um, on the order of tens of thousands of dollars of additional usage uh, under this grant program. For folks who are who are using uh, the blockchain at any sort of scale, it's kind of cost right off of the top of, of their expensive. Thanks, Cameron, $50,000 cap per team. If I'm a developer, a project kind of looking to uh, apply for this grant, where would I go? How would I do that? Uh, what would I need to include? Yeah, so uh, you can register on Alchemy's website. There should be a, a tab or a banner uh, even now for the the Wagby program. And I think there's a there's a form on there, relatively simple to fill out some basic information that helps us figure out if if it's a an actual need or not. The goal is to support as many developers as we can, um, especially since the situation is on the financial side, maybe not as uh, as good as it once was. Jay Rocky, we'll have to let some of the development folks in our in the dev channel on our discord know about that program very cool very totally cool. yeah if it can be helpful definitely connect people to uh to what we're doing there yeah is there anything else that you know you want the world or any listeners of the show to know about what you're doing uh anything about alchemy or anything that we forgot to cover i think we covered a lot of ground honestly i, I would say that mm -hmm. the parting thought or maybe the theme from me would be despite the the fluctuations in consumer markets i think the the situation for builders right now is maybe as as exciting as it's ever been like the amount of activity is is thriving the tools that are there for you to build with in terms of you know alchemy tooling but also protocols layer ones and layer two technologies like what is possible is expanding i think even quicker than we could have thought and i think we see that the 
community of builders is is strong and, and alive despite how how consumer markets are doing and, and how tough that is is for a lot of people. We're extremely excited to be playing some some part of that and helping folks out. It's a uh, exciting to get to work with the, that diversity of teams every day as they they build these things. Developer community is strong and alive and Wagby. Mike, if people want to get in touch with you or they want to find out more about Alchemy, uh, Platted Jobs, uh, where should they go? Uh, we will link it in the show notes on uh, Apple and Spotify. Yeah, perfect. So uh, Alchemy.com, the source for all things Alchemy, there's a career tabs there. We have a ton of open roles. Uh, otherwise, I would call some out. But like basically across our entire business, we're, we're looking for talented folks. Um, so definitely check that out. You can find me on Twitter at uh, M Garland. Definitely reach out, especially if you're a developer and you have any questions or want to get started or interested in, in NFTs, always looking to chat. Like I said, 50% time going to talking to developers. So super, super keen to connect with folks who are interested. Thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thank you guys. Really uh, had fun. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate your time. Thanks. Yeah, you guys Bye. too. Take care.